behind the female child is my biological father. And I was like, wait a minute, what? And he, he looked at me and they walked into the room and I was dumbfounded. Raven, I was dumbfounded. I was like, what is this? And he said, well, you know, it's the- That's so bizarre. Yeah, he was like, it's the perfect excuse. Now she's up here and I get to spend time with her. I was fit to be tied. I was like, why am I so stupid that I didn't see I mean, this? she was like just this random stranger. No, she was not a stranger. No. Oh, you knew her? I did know her. Um, she was actually my hand physical therapist. <gasps> oh my gosh. Welcome to the Empath and the Narcissist podcast, where you regain your sparkle back after narcissistic abuse. I am your host, Raven Scott. This is episode 102, The Most Common Traits of Narcissist Personality Disorder, with Victoria Gouray. Just a reminder, this episode is for educational purposes only, and it is not a substitute for professional therapy. If you're enjoying this podcast, hit subscribe and rate and review this podcast. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. I numbed myself to stop the pain, and I reached out to friends for help. But it wasn't until I gained courage to leave and seek therapy that my dark abyss of hopelessness finally started to let in the light I was so longing for. If you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed, today's sponsor, BetterHelp, is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. It allows you to talk to your therapist in a private online environment at your convenience. With a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000 plus therapist network, it will give you access to help that you need that may not be available in your area. Finding a therapist is easy. You just fill out the questionnaire to help assess your specific needs and then you get matched with the therapist in under 48 hours. Everything you share is completely confidential. In therapy, I learned that I wasn't the selfish lesser person my ex convinced me I was. In my therapy, I was able to get affirmation that I was truly being emotionally and sexually abused. That alone allowed me to release my trauma and grow into the strong coach and mentor that I am today. But I didn't just gain that alone in therapy. I gained my sense of self-autonomy back, my power back, and my confidence back. Join the 3 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash empath. That's betterhelp.com forward slash E-M-P-A-T-H in the link in the show notes. We are just about to close October as Domestic Violence Awareness Month and I have with me a special guest today to share with us how you can be so much stronger than you can even imagine. Victoria is a survivor and a mother of a special needs miracle child with more than 16 years of educating herself and countless of others within the special needs community. She brings light to those who've known true darkness She's dedicated a large portion of her life to aiding those who are not in a position to help themselves. And she has several degrees and certifications, which also include paralegal degree, ASL masters, first aid, trachea 
tracheostomy certification, two black belts in mixed martial arts, and she's currently furthering her studies through online classes at Yale. She also speaks to groups of domestic violence survivors as well as advocate for both survivors and special needs families. She is an accomplished author and works throughout the year to help bring awareness along with toys for the special needs community. Her daughter and her have been featured on TV, advocating for those with challenging abilities and also with abused women. Having become a survivor has made her into a quote-unquote pit bull. She advocates for these families and individuals and fights tooth and nail for them. She works with special needs families and children as well as survivors of domestic violence. She offers many different opportunities such as free social groups that allow individuals the chance to make new friends that accept you without judgment and without the fear of being bullied. She also offers classes, legal document preparation, and so much more. I'm so excited to introduce to you today, Victoria. And without further ado, let's get into the conversation. We are back and welcome, Victoria. So glad to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yes, this you're you're doing such amazing work. Um, You have three amazing shows and podcasts about things that people don't normally like to talk about. And you're really like in the trenches and you're doing just the work that needs to be done for us to be able to evolve and move forward as a society. Thank you. You're welcome. Now, we're going to be covering today the most common traits of narcissist personality disorder as Victoria can so easily tell you from her experience, but I just want to hear just who you are, a bit of your story, and relate to the audience where some of your experience. Uh, Well, I grew up in an undiagnosed, which sometimes I think it's harder, uh, undiagnosed narcissistic family, where just like you, I was the black sheep. Um, But luckily, by the grace of God, I've had my amazing grandparents And they taught me what I really wanted to be in life and the footprint of who I wanted to be, where my, I call them my egg and sperm donor, um, taught me how I didn't want to be. And so Mm -hmm. I lived that childhood of never feeling I was enough. I was, you know, always blackmailed for things. I got in trouble for things I didn't even do. And uh, I have Mm -hmm. a half-sister who is from a previous marriage with my egg donor and my biological father has nothing to do with her and then I have my brother who is considerably younger who is hands down the golden child and uh my father has nothing to do with him and um none of the either parent has nothing to do with both kids and I'm no contact uh I've gone no contact for over a year now, Um, but I realized, and it Mm. took me a very long time to realize, and a lot of professional therapy, to realize that um, they really put me in the path at one point in time to get with my ex-husband, who was a narcissist, and that's putting it mildly. Uh, I had been with my Mm. soulmate, the love of my life, for four years. We broke up. And I had never been on a rebound, but I guess 
call a spade a spade. And I, I rebounded and I met this guy, if you want to call him that. And uh, he was so charming and so uh, understanding and had this just amazing disposition. He he found my my weakness, if you will, which is I so wanted to be a mom. That was like my, my dream was to be a wife and mother. And he played mm -hmm. it. He played it well. And he rushed me down the express lane of relationships, as we all learned they do. And mm -hmm. um, I didn't live with him until we were married. I was, I didn't even do anything with him until we were married, as I'm trying to keep it G-rated. Mm -hmm. um, I, I even expressed in him, Raven, that I, I wasn't ready. Uh, I think he was pushing it and why we couldn't wait like six more months before even getting engaged. And it, it was amazing mm. to me how he would turn it around on me. Like, you know, we've been with the wrong people our whole life. Don't you think now that we finally found one another, we should start our life now? Why do we have to wait any longer when we've been with the wild ones for so long? And then I, it was like, maybe he's right. Mm. Why, why am I thinking like this? Um, and then when I would say, you know, okay, I still think mm. we're moving a little fast because next thing I know we're engaged. Next thing I know he's like, we're going to go get married across the country. And I was like, you know, yeah, maybe we're going a little too fast. We need to slow it down. And then guilt trip back on me. I felt horrible. I, I explained to him right off the bat mm. that I love the person that he now I can say portrayed himself as, but I wasn't yeah. in love with him. And I told him that. And he mm -hmm. said that was because I hadn't let all the walls down from my ex that I was still like mourning over, if you will. And so I told him that he really wasn't my, like I wasn't physically attracted to him. Um, he wasn't my type, but I loved so much everything that he stood for in regards to wanting to be a father and how he wanted to be a family. And that was so important to him. He was active military. Um, the stories mm -hmm. that he kept telling me broke my heart and made me feel so bad for him. So the next thing I know, we're married. And I literally was just like, how did this mm -hmm. happen? I moved in with him after we got married wow. and we got pregnant basically right away. And that's when the abuse started. You feel trapped and powerless. You see no way out. What keeps you here? What keeps you suspended from flying away? The narcissist lies and manipulation hold you back from living your soul's purpose. Learn how to leave the narcissist in a self-guided powerful workshop that I've created that includes step-by-step -step lessons and an escape plan, guided meditations for healing, spiritual rituals to release your inner warrior goddess, and emotional strengthening practices so you can leave to stay away and live your life free as your soul desires. Learn how to leave the narcissist in a self-guided, powerful work. Go to www.ravenscott.show forward slash shop. You can also grab my book on Amazon in paperback or hardcover and on Audible, www.ravenscott.show ravenscott.show forward slash empath and the narcissist to grab your book on how to overcome narcissistic abuse learn about what it is what codependency is all the types of narcissism and as well as spiritual practices to help you heal as an empath at the end of each chapter 
There are 20 plus healing resources in my book, Empath and the Narcissist, including guided meditations, exercises, and journal prompts for healing, including human design and astrology concepts. The Empath Protection Guided Meditation is also included, as well as a bonus free, The Four Ways to Set Powerful Boundaries Workshop. If you wish to feel alive again and take back the power in your life, then scroll up and go to the show notes to click and add the book to your cart today. Now, back to the show. Oh my gosh. So there's so many traits already in that story that I could pull out that are common patterns that I've noticed in people's stories is number one, they don't respect your boundaries. You kept saying like, this is too fast. This is too fast. No respect. No, like, okay, let's take our time. I have eternity to be with you because I feel confident and ready. No, it was like, why, why wait? You know, pushing you, pushing you in guilt. Yes. And then the other thing I heard that trait was, um, that the guilt using the guilt to convince you it was like this constant sell on them like selling you on their persona they're presenting to you because that's what you really dreamt of yes yes he knew how important it was that I wanted to be a mom and wife and he was just like oh the stories Raven he would tell me he's like you know when I'm overseas and I'm fighting and all I kept thinking about I want to come home and and have someone to come home to and have kids to come home to and my family fostered kids their whole life and even though we didn't have a lot we we really withheld everything monetarily so that we could provide foster care for so many kids and that's how my parents were and I was thinking how can I be so selfish why am I acting like such a jerk because he's not who I just broke up with you know everybody was like comparing over there to that and and I, I was like I'm just being so wrong and I started like tearing myself apart thinking this guy is like everything I wanted you know not physically but I was like how can I be so selfish and self-centered and and snobby and be like well you know when he wants what I want and so next thing I know we oh my gosh but they do that they like twist your your mind into second guessing your actual truth and what you're feeling and then like you said you felt snobby well that was because he was literally like brainwashing you into feeling that like I'm sure he said that don't you want this this is what you want and this is that and you're like oh yes but you know you're selling you're selling it hard so I guess you're right I guess you know right they're very convincing and all of a sudden you're like well I guess I'm the one that is right. being selfish. It's insane yes. how they twist it back on you. It's, it's brilliant. It. They're brilliant at it. They really are. You don't want to give them that credit. The first time that he hit me, I was like, I, I know that didn't just happen. And I went through the complete denial. Like, I know, mm. I know that you didn't just do that. And it was, mm-hmm. well, you made me do it. Why did you make me do that? Do you think I like doing that to you? And I was like, I would never become that battered woman. You know, never. And I had a background in martial arts. I was like, I know you're not that dumb. I know you didn't just hit me. And then he did it again. And I was like, okay, I know that didn't happen. So I said, I'm out. I'm not going to be that battered wife. And when I tried to leave, he shot and killed my puppy to show me what he would do to me if I left. And that is a in the track stopping moment where I'm like, this is fight or flight. This is this is it. A joke, you know, and 
So, you know, Raven, I own what I do. I own what I did. I did say to him, I will make you a deal. As long as you don't touch my stomach, I will not fight you back. Because he was going to hit me, but I didn't want to hurt my child, my unborn child. So one of the first things you learn in martial arts is you de-escalate the situation. It's self-defense. You stop the threat and you get out. That's it. I can't stop a threat when... At night, you're being woken up with your husband straddling you, punching you in the face, waking you up in that manner because he wants you to go get him something to drink. And I knew that that was not going to be an easy way for me just to get out. It was no yeah. easy way out. So, so you really endured, it sounds like, a lot of intense physical abuse like how quickly did that escalate from the emotional abuse you got married you said and then the abuse started like when what was that how did that look like for in your situation we got I knew I was we got pregnant I knew I was pregnant and that's when it started it started a couple days after we officially knew that I was pregnant um that's when the abuse started mm. and I just moved in because with my job I had my own apartment so it wasn't like, you know, and my, my job, I was traveling. So it's not like we spent all of this, you know, intimate time. We didn't spend any intimate time together prior to us being married. Mm -hmm. And wow. honestly, when the abuse started, the intimacy stopped. At least the uh, approval intimacy stopped. Is I'm trying yeah, to the, the fake intimacy to keep you right. So now you're married. Now you're locked in. Now you're on the shelf. So he can drop down his mask and really express how he truly feels, which is another right. common trait of narcissistic yes, personality disorder. Yeah, it is. It comes off. It's incredibly scary. His temper was like a light switch. It just literally it was like dealing with different people. Um, hmm. He. Like I said, he's active duty military. He actually broke my nose on the installation and they did nothing. It's very, very common that active duty military cover up for one another. Now, don't get me wrong, Raymond. Not all the military is mm. bad. Not all the soldiers are bad. Right. But domestic violence is very, very common in the military. And they're not doing what they need to do to protect mm. the spouses and children of the active duty soldiers, men and women are getting abused and it's being turned a blind eye to, and it's more and more every day. And that has to stop. It has to stop. We've got to do something to, to protect these people because it's nobody else is doing it. Right. Yeah. Not even within the, the system, the military community. Correct. Wow. So many things. Um, I did want to bring up a point. We are talking, it sounds like we are talking about someone who I, I maybe was never diagnosed, but definitely sounds like if he went to therapy, he would have been diagnosed NPD, maybe even sociopathic. Like he's very far on this spectrum. Yes. And maybe you're in a situation where you're like, I'm, he's not touching me. I'm not getting beat up. Like I'm fine. There's still that emotional abuse realm that's maybe in the middle, narcissistic personality traits, and then you can even go to the lower, like toxic, right? So we don't deserve to be beat. We don't deserve to be manipulated or guilted. We deserve to have our boundaries held and honored, no matter what situation you're in. I just have to bring that up. And, and this is so tragic that, you know, to, to have to experience something so intense when you weren't even 
living together. So he really couldn't see the signs. He was able to have his mask up really well because you didn't see it slip. You weren't in there. You weren't living with him and you were traveling and all that. So this is, yeah, it's just... So I'm so sorry. Oh, thank you. In the very beginning, he he showed me off to everybody. He bragged about me to everybody. Oh, wait till you see the woman I'm with. You know, Mm. she's, you know, so smart. She's an executive and she's this and she's that. And then once you get really involved in it, it's like everything was about him. He was one way of the door open and another way of the door shut metaphorically. Like um, everything was about him. He never could Mm. admit full. Didn't matter what happened. I mean, he could drop something literally in front of you. But he would blame me for doing it because it was all about his ego and what mm. we've done for him and um, the perception of what everybody thought about him. Um, he he would throw me to the wolves, so to speak, to make himself look better. It was just mm. the fact that like yeah. everything was at fault and it was my fault. And I owed him for ruining his life for, you know, him taking me in. And having to put up with me, having to put up with my morning sickness. Um, and then he would go and tell everybody one thing at work and then another thing at home. But he wanted to be the hero. He would tell me these stories of how he like did these things overseas. Mm-hmm. And then much later on, when I actually got out, I found out that none of them were true. None. And it's, it's so horrifying because I started really seeing a lot of the same signs of him that my biological father had and that's it it Mm. made me so upset that i didn't see it sooner now i i was very fortunate in the fact that my my biological parents never put hands on me uh so it wasn't a physical abuse in any way Mm. um but like my biological father would use me as an escape to see other women like he would tell his wife i'm going out with Victoria for dinner, and then he would bring another woman to dinner. And it would be like, if you tell her, then I'm going to tell her he made me meet her, which I don't understand that concept, but we don't think like they do. Oh, so you had to go on these dates with your dad? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's bizarre. And I would leave as soon as I... (laughs) But as a child, it's normalized, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. But as a child, it's normalized. Yeah, there's punishment. There's authority all mixed into all of that relationship. And yeah. Right. And it was, if you tell her, I'm going to tell her that you set us up and, you know, I'll make her think you did it. And... and Yeah, right. And and it didn't matter. I wanted so badly to be that person to him because... He, a, he was my dad. Um, B, I wanted his approval on anything and everything. I did stuff in my life that he I thought would make him proud, but never got it. He was never affectionate, no hugs. I've never, ever seen him and his wife, which is my mom. I've never seen them, like, mm-hmm. kiss. I've never seen them hold hands. It, it was a very unnurturing relationship growing up, which I was very fortunate for mm-hmm. the fact that I had my grandparents who were the absolute, completely opposite. And I remember asking them, I asked my grandmother one day, why is my dad, quote unquote, so different? You raised them and you're so different. And they said that he ruined and his wife ruined him and money ruined him. Um, He wants the perception of having power and money. And I said, well, I don't understand that. And they said, well, they raised you and you're just like us. You know, you choose to act that way. You're you're choosing not to follow in their footsteps. And then I've learned later on that means I'm breaking the cycle. Mm-hmm. Like I don't do any of that to 
or with my daughter or my kids. It's, yeah. I don't want them to go through, the, excuse my French, the hell that we went through, you know, with that. And yeah. I saw so much of that with my ex as well. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They, I love that point that you, your grandparents brought up is that we have a, the path, right? We all have light and dark in us and which path you choose is up to you and your choice. I wrote down literally one, two, three, four, five different traits of NPD in li- just that small clip of a story from your father and your, your ex, but they, they praise you and they put you up in, in front of like a trophy in public to make them look good because look what I have, look at this person. And they're always trying to, you know, put the persona forward in the public. They're perfect. They are excellent storytellers. They are. And they have to be the hero. It's like a Napoleon complex. That's like how they, um, how they value their worth is by being the hero because really inside, like they suck and they have trauma and they have pain and they have wounds and then they blackmail you like your, your father would do. And they lack intimacy, like true intimacy. Have you touched, you know, I was, um, my husband research recently. Have you touched your partner 10 times today? A touch on the back, a hug, a, you know, a handhold. That's what our human, you know, related bodies like need from real true love and intimacy. Absolutely. Have you gotten that lately? And if you ask for it, do you get like verbally abused that you don't deserve it and they do all this other stuff for you? Or do they say, oh, I'm so sorry. And they give you a hug. I've been so busy. Let me just like spend a moment, right? Because we can all get busy. But if you def- get deflected and if you get like berated because you're asking for intimacy, there's your sign. Yes. That that person is not yes. healthy for you. That person's not healthy for anybody. But right. anyway. Going well, on, move on. <laughs> let me let me give you one that that'll really get you. So um, fast forward through all the abuse, and um, he isolated me. Obviously, I didn't speak to anybody. My parents, my biological parents, came back in the picture when my child was about three months old. They did um, offer us mm. shelter. We moved in with them, um, but it was with your parents yes but it was incredibly tough because um my daughter mm-hmm. was in the NICU for six months and I never went home I stayed with her uh the entire time she is just mm-hmm. a shining star she's amazing and when a yeah. grandfather like my grandfather even would always brag look, look at my baby girl look at my sweet girl and we always had these great pictures and things of us together and it was you know I lived in mm-hmm. great to make sure I made them proud and I didn't do anything that would upset or disappoint them and make them think I didn't do good. And it wasn't because they'd ever, you know, berated me in any way. It was because I wanted to make them proud because that's how amazing they were to me. And so with that being said, um, the, my parents had barely anything to do with me and my daughter. I had all these surgeries. My daughter had surgeries you know, my biological father would use the excuse that he was going with the girls and then he would go off with somebody else. And the, the, mm. the big part of how I got away from him is for the, for a couple of years, he was always talking to other women, like constantly. If my biological mother would go to her older daughter's house to babysit, then he would use that excuse every single time to go out to dinner with another girl. And 
we would, you know, he would say, I'm not doing it this time. Just, you know, let's meet for dinner. And I got to the point where I would meet him. And if we met him there and a woman came, we left. Like, if, I'm not doing this. And he would have, he would say to my daughter, you can't tell grandma who was at dinner. It was just the three of us. And I'm like, I am not teaching my child to lie. That's not how this works. Yeah. And so with that being said, I started going in for therapy and stuff like that with my arm and we were going to have a big surgery coming up. So I decided like I did very often with my daughter that we were going to do a weekend mom and daughter, like get away for the weekend and we were going to go to the aquarium and, you know, just Mm -hmm. go do some stuff. So he said, I'll go with you and we'll make it like a three generation thing or whatever. And I said, first of all, I'm driving and it's going to be, Mm -hmm. um, we're going to have separate rooms because I just think that's kind of weird sharing a room with him. And that's fine. So we get up there and we check in and everything's great. First night we go to dinner. Um, I think we went to a couple of tourist things. And then the next day we got up, we had breakfast, we met him down there. And then we went to do like air glass stuff, uh, blowing air glass and stuff like that. And he kept looking at his watch and Mm -hmm. I didn't think anything of it. And then it started raining and I said, okay, we're going to go back because we walked everywhere. So we're going to go to the hotel and get umbrellas and stuff. And he Mm -hmm. says, okay, I'm going to make a couple phone calls. I'll meet you in half an hour. Great. So half an hour later, I get a text message. What's your room number again? Okay, well, whatever. So I text him the room number. And when there's a knock on the door, my daughter goes to open the door and there is a female there with her child. And mm-hmm. behind the female child is my biological father. And I was like, wait a minute, what? And <laughs> he looked at me and they walked into the room and I was dumbfounded. Raven, I was dumbfounded. I was like, what is this? And he said, well, you know, it's a- That's so bizarre. Yeah, he was like, it's the perfect excuse. Now she's up here and I get to spend time with her. I was fit to be tied. I was like, why am I so stupid that I didn't see I mean, it? she was like just this random stranger. No, she was not a stranger. No. Oh, you knew her? I did know her. Um, she was actually my hand physical therapist. <gasps> oh my gosh. Yes. He had to come up one That's time. Just and, like, yeah. I'm in shock. And I can imagine how much in shock you were. I was, I was <laughs> like so in the situation. Shocked. Well, I didn't realize that they had become buddies. He had come up one time with me when I had to get my hand therapy done, which was near their house. And I was going to take him and drop him off somewhere. And he went with me so I could take him Mm -hmm. after. And he met her. And I didn't think anything of it. I thought, okay, that was it. He, whatever. Apparently not the end of that one. And so my daughter, who is a feisty little firecracker, starts taking pictures of them together. And they're in the hotel room. And... Um, we end up going to clear him and I said, I'm not going with y'all and y'all go do your own thing. I'm going with my daughter. This was our plan for the weekend to have our time together. That's what we're doing. Bye. Yeah. And he's like, do you want to take her daughter with you? No, no. And he's like, you know, why can't you do this for me? How come you can't do this for me? You know, aren't, don't I deserve a little happiness in my life? I'm like, start at home with your wife. And I was like, you know, she might not be the perfect person. Oh my gosh. If you want, get a divorce and that'll be your biggest cheerleader. But until then, no. So we went to the aquarium. 
yeah. he, he kept calling and saying, you know, you really could meet up with us. And, and no. So afterwards, we went and got something to eat. And they met us at the restaurant. And as soon as we had gotten done eating, we left. And then they, and the whole time, my daughter's yeah. taking pictures of them, like, canoodling on my phone. And he's like, <laughs> you better not do anything with those. And, you know, he was like, I'm warning you. And he, she's like, what are you going to get me? And he goes, what do you want? And I mean, he's bribing <laughs> my kid. And she's like, <laughs> she I knows want, to make a deal with him. Right. She's like, I want three books. And he's like, fine. And she's like, I mean it. And he goes, you can't tell her that she was up here, whatever. And I said, this is not okay. And I told my daughter, Faith, you cannot do this. And she's like, why? I could get all the books I want. And he kept saying, you know, if you tell your mom, I will tell her you're the one who brought her up here. And I said, how can you put this on me? Like, okay, let's look at that scenario. You go home, you tell your wife, I brought you up a woman. I didn't have you canoodling with her. I didn't have you sitting next to her, making out with her. So how is that my fault? Mm-hmm. How are you going to put that on me? Exactly. So needless to say, um, my daughter had asked him to go to a movie with him for the longest time. And he always said, no, I don't want to, blah, blah, blah. Well, of course, he takes her to a movie. And he's texting the whole time. And I've kept the text messages. I kept all the evidence of the, this time with this woman. And when we get back to the house, we get back home because to me, I wasn't home. You know, he and I had a huge blowout because he was like, I'm telling you right now, you better not tell your mother. And if you do, I'm going to make her believe it was your idea. So I went up there to her and I, you know, she only gets one side of the story. And, and there's no point in me telling my side because she's not going to listen. She has it made. She has it made. Like they mm-hmm. have lots of money. She has everything she needs. She doesn't have mm-hmm. to want or need anything because it's all provided. So I, I just said to her, I said, I'm not mm-hmm. the bad person that you think I am, but I want you to know that if he doesn't tell you why we're arguing, I really wish you would really think about what that could be for. Why would we be arguing? And I said, think of my values and what I don't stand for. And why would I be arguing with him? And she didn't get it. Like, she just didn't catch it. And we moved out. And when I did, I I couldn't do it anymore, Raven. It was killing me to to keep all this in. I watched him belittle my brother, um, who is an incredibly smart individual who has really had um, an unfair advantage, I mean, disadvantage on a lot of things. You know, he, my dad, Raymond, would make fun of him all the time. He would send me these text mm. messages about how he's worthless and and that he will never amount to anything and that he can't stand the fact that he's gay. And um, I said, as long as he's with someone who doesn't put their hands on him, who yeah. cares? And now, granted, the choice that he made for his first relationship, which was when he was like, 33 is the first time he got a relationship it wasn't the best but that's his choice um in that regard and I, I have all these messages of him you know he belittles everyone like I sent him a picture I sent my dad a picture of my mom and he wrote back I just ate so like I have all of this and I really I sat down when I left and I asked my my mother to get Christmas stuff 
um, a while back. And I said, you know, can we get our Christmas stuff that we left in your attic? And she put it outside like we were evicted. Like, you need to bring a truck. You need to come and get it. This is where it is. It's outside the house. And when we pulled up, my daughter wanted to see the dog. And we weren't allowed in the house. And I was like, this is insane. This is so stupid. And I said, look, I don't want to do this. And I said, you know what? I know what I'm I'm walking away from right mm-hmm. now. And that's okay because my self-worth is worth more. I know that you're going to go and say something to your husband and that's fine. That's your choice. But I can't be a guilty conscience anymore. And I'm tired of being blackmailed about it. You know, whenever he did anything wrong, he blamed me. Even if I wasn't even around, it didn't matter. And I said, he has had so many other women. And she's like, I don't believe you. Okay, well, pictures mm-hmm. don't lie. And I showed her pictures and I said, I am not showing you these to hurt you. That's not what I'm doing. I'm trying to let you see why we have no relationship. And I said, and I'm trying to show you why you don't have a relationship with my daughter because he keeps talking about how horrible you are, what a bad person you are, how you've ruined your son. And it is, you know, literally made it where my daughter doesn't want anything to do with you based on what Mm -hmm. she hears from her grandfather. So I'm showing her all these pictures. I'm showing her text messages. And I said, if I was doing this in malice, I would have sent all this to my brother and my half sister Mm -hmm. because it would have destroyed my brother. It would have absolutely destroyed him if he had seen the messages that my dad had written about him. And I didn't. I said, I'm just showing you so that you know what he is saying. And I said, you know, you can say there's a he said, she said, which... As a, as a survivor, you hear that your whole life. But when you have proof, there, there's nothing really that needs to be said. And I said, if you don't think he's done anything wrong, then tell me why you didn't know that this woman went on the trip with us. Well, maybe he forgot. How, how do you forget to tell your <laughs> wife that another woman went yeah. with or met up there? How, how do you forget that? And I was like, do you want to yeah, see? She's just in he, denial. Mm-hmm. Right. And I said, would you like to see about 30 other women that he's had meals with that I get up and leave mm. with every time? And he blackmails me and my daughter. Like, if you tell, then you guys are going to have to go and find mm. somewhere else to live. Well, at that time, we were doing 20 to 25 medical appointments mm. a week with therapies. She was in physical therapy, speech therapy, occupational therapy. I couldn't have gone anywhere else at that point. And I'm internally grateful for the fact they let us stay there. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But it was hell. I mean, it really was. And I showed her all these. And I said, I'm not letting you keep them. You can look through them, but I'm not letting you keep them. And I said, I know what I just lost doing all this. And that's okay. But I'm not going to carry this anymore. He's done this to me my whole life. It's not fair to you. And she's she's just enabling and making excuses for him and not being your mother and defending you against his manipulation and his lies. And like you said, maybe she's afraid, right? Usually fear is what kind of keeps us in enabling this bad behavior is I don't know who else will love me. I don't know. I don't have like a good resume. How am I going to make the money and survive and all these things? She never worked. I mean, she literally, right. This, she lived in a huge, they live in a huge, huge house and they have maids and they go out to eat every single night because she doesn't cook and I mean, literally, they. Yeah, she's got but, the the pampered life, but she's broke emotionally, right? Like this is this. If you're in this, just like you know, yes. this, her mom, and you're like, I'm stuck. 
I don't know how to get out. There is always a choice, right? Like we talked about before, the light path, the dark path. The light path might not be easy, but you can rebuild back from nothing. Yes. And, you know, for me, what I found, and I'm sure you can attest to this, Victoria, emotional abundance is far more rewarding and abundant than actual physical in this world abundance. Absolutely. Yeah. So I told her, Raven, I told her, I said, you know what? Take this bottom that you hit and use it to build a yeah. better foundation for going forward. And I said, it's, I would rather have all the love in the world than all the mm -hmm. money. And I know I've, I kicked my inheritance yeah. and I don't care. I mean, you know, that's their choice and they've held it over my head for the longest mm -hmm. time. Okay, fine. You know, if that's what you want to do, you're going to do whatever I do anyway, no matter yeah. what. So, be that way. Life's too short. Yeah. I've almost died way too many times. Life is too short. I'm going to enjoy every minute of it. And I feel like I am the richest person in the world. I have the love of my life. Mm -hmm. I married my soulmate Yay. from back in the day. He's adopted my daughter and we have the best life. We have, I focus on doing nothing but paying it mm -hmm. forward and helping other survivors and special needs families. We actually breed golden retrievers to help oh, cool. with the support dogs. And everything is amazing because of it. I mean, it's you, you have to be able to walk away and it's horrible. And you see that you feel like you've got nothing going for you, that you've lost your inner light. You have a spark left and that spark will start a forest fire. You, you can't give up on yourself because you can't, you can't change a narcissist. It, even though mine was undiagnosed and it's amazing that the ones that need yeah. therapy refuse to go. But he would literally just like, he would go in front of people and say, oh, I'm doing all this to take care of my daughter who was beaten. And I, I would meet people that I had no idea who they were. And they were like, you look so different than your pictures. And I, I what pictures? Oh, your, your dad sent me pictures where your husband beat you. Oh I'm gosh. sorry, what? <clears throat> and this is what I would get all the time. And I'm like, I, what? And he he literally would just do yeah. that to make himself the hero. Like he brought us in and right. he took care of us. Absolutely not true. I worked, while, you know, to to be there. I took care of things and it didn't matter because it's what happens behind that closed door. And, you know, I was constantly threatened. Yeah. The only thing that he provided was that uh, safe, that safe space away from your ex-husband but yeah that was it nothing else and you know like i said i'm eternally grateful for shelter but yeah you know the the constant manipulation and if you tell i'll do you know i'll do this or i'll do that you know don't i deserve to be happy too i don't get five minutes of time to myself which is all he did and you know you you hear it over and over again and whenever he started i would tell my daughter to go to the other side of the house, go upstairs, go whatever. And I always sent her out. I said, this is nothing I ever want you to experience because it will stay with you forever. And I don't want that for you. So, you know, go, yeah. go somewhere else. Mm. All those things, all those things that just going back to our list of common traits is refusing therapy, isolating the, the victim, cheating, manipulation, gossip. It's just all just like the negative low vibration things. It's just awful and insidious so tell us before we end um yes, all of these things also i want to just shine a light on has affected your physical body correct 
tell us a little bit about that. Maybe people are struggling. Yes. Yes. Um, I've had over a hundred surgeries. Um, like I said to you before we recorded, I, I own my, my faults. And when my daughter was um, battling to stay and she fought like she did to be here with me, I, literally, if it wasn't life-threatening, mm-hmm. it had to wait because I stayed with her. And so I needed to have corrective surgery on my shoulder and my foot and my hand and my fingers and my jaws. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. And so I know I exacerbated it. So that was all him. from, can I just ask what, what, what was the cause? Yeah, it was from him yes. beating, correct? And so because of that, I literally waited until she had her tracheostomy removed, until she was decannulated, because that is a full 24-hour day responsibility. Mm. And if I'm, you know, rehabbing from shoulder mm. surgery, you can't be there if she gets a plug, if she needs an emergent trach change. And so all of that waited. And so I know it, it enhanced the injuries, if you will. And so like, if you look at my face on both sides mm-hmm. of my face, you see long scars down the sides. Um, I've had both jaws completely replaced. There's 26 pieces of metal in my face um, from replacement. I'm deaf, so I have hearing mm-hmm. aids because my eardrums were ruptured. I have a shoulder replacement. I have mm-hmm. um, had four permanent stem routers placed to provide like an electric current um to help with nerve damage i have i'm like the bionic woman i have screws and pens and plates everywhere um my fingers before i lost them were all screws and pens um and wires and then i became Mm -hmm. partially paralyzed because the ulnar nerve basically died and we did a um a, a nerve conductive study and it said that it was just gone. And so it started spreading. They gave me what's called a CRPS, which is a complex regional pain syndrome. And so I, after 16 surgeries on my hand and arm, they told me that it was really a lost cause except just putting on Band-Aids, which is a temporary fix. And so I had no choice. I had to amputate. Mm-hmm. And now I'm trying to learn to live what that's like, which is incredibly frustrating to say the least. Oh, yes, yes. I mean, you don't really realize how much you take for granted both of your hands when now all of a sudden you have to figure out how to do everything with yes. one. You absolutely do. Absolutely. Like I can still feel, I feel like my fingers are underneath my stub <laughs> and you could feel them trying to move around. Yeah. It, it's it's incredibly weird mm. um, feeling to say the least typing. I mean, it's still little things. Like I can't put my hair in a ponytail. I can't, you know, getting dressed, um, yeah. trying to pull my pants up with my left hand. I can't cause it's not there. And I'm having to like, Oh, come on. And so, yeah. you know, there's so many things that you take for granted. My husband, bless his heart. He decided for a full day, he wanted to see what it was like. So he put a sock over his hand and he put a, like a, a split sling thing contraption, if you will. And he tried to go a whole day yeah. and he was like, I don't mm-hmm. know how you're doing it. Like, I, I have no idea how you're doing this. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, he was like, I, I knew the whole day long I was going to have my hand back at the end of the day. So I guess that made me not really upset in the yeah. aspect that, you know, I knew this was temporary, but it was so frustrating. He's like, I couldn't open a jar mm-hmm. and I couldn't, you know, go to the bathroom. How do you button a button? And, and he was like, I just, it's a whole different kind of learned respect that you have for someone who goes through something like this. Yeah. 
And like we said, pre-recording, I had surgery on my shoulder, so I couldn't do that. So as you're talking, like, I literally just went through all of that a week ago, but like he, like him, my hand's there. So I was like, okay, it's just going to be like a few weeks, no big deal. And, but yeah, it's like just the strength of your mind has to be even more stronger to be like, I can do this the rest of my life. And And that's a long few weeks for you. Yeah. And that's a very long few weeks for you and you go yeah. through it and don't know how to do it. Yeah. I was asking my daughters to open jars for me and putting them in between my legs and all that fun stuff. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. But try opening a can of biscuits. Let me tell you. <laughs> yes. Or like opening those packages. Oh my God. So annoying. <laughs> yes. Yes. It was our anniversary and I'm like, sorry, I couldn't wrap yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, well, it just takes away all those extra, like, superfluous things that are, are important to other people in life and the world's like, hey, you know what? This is here. I've got this for you. Please don't make me wrap it. Otherwise, you're just an a-hole. <laughs> like, <laughs> <it's> <laughs> right? Absolutely. <laughs> and then my husband has just a sense of humor, and he's like, babe, can I hold your... Never mind. Because he, And then he's like, hey, high five. <laughs> Never mind. Can't do that either. And I'm like, yeah, no more handouts. Oh, thanks, thanks. And I was like, hey, for Halloween, I could be Thane, you know? And I, I was like, maybe yeah. I can uh, be Captain Hope. And, you know, we told my daughter, I was like, wait till you try and date. And somebody comes over and they try to shake my hand and it comes off. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. I mean, you have to kind of make, you know, a laugh at it. Because if you don't, you know, you'll really put yourself into a depression. Yeah, the silver lining. And again, it goes back to like the emotional abundance is far more fulfilling and important than the physical realm of what you have. Yes. You know, one thing that helped me get through it when I learned I had to get hearing aids uh, because my hearing was shot, basically, I, I kept thinking, that's it. I mean, what else could this monster take from me? And yeah. literally after I got them, I was like, wow, this is kind of cool. And then one day my dad, a.k.a. sperm donor, was just going off and I just hit the power button by accident the very first time. And I was like, this is fantastic. I don't hear him. Like, this is great. And he's going on and on and on and on. And he goes, do you hear me? And I can read lips. And I was like, huh? And he goes, are those on? And I went, nope. And I was like, silver lurking. This is great. Because then you don't have to hear it. Right? There's always a silver lining. It's fantastic. Always. Always. It's it's that's what we always talk about here is that mental health and the mental strength. So any in our conclusion here, we've gone through all of these common traits of personality disorder and you've been through the ringer. Um, what empowering message can you leave the um audience to to take from your experience? I would tell everybody to take their mess and make it their message to realize that they have survived 100% of their worst days. And that just because they have been through something that is this awful, A, it is not their fault. B, they did not deserve it. And they can be even happier than they ever were before. Now that they've recognized what they're involved in, they should be so proud of themselves for even taking that first step and realizing it and acknowledging it. And they're so much stronger than you realize because they're not giving themselves that credit. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much for that message. I know it soaked into the hearts and minds of the listeners. 
And where can everyone find you um, in maybe your socials or your show? We have uh, three shows. We have A Contagious Smile. We have Unstoppable. And then we have a teen talk show just for teens so that they can come on and be heard and valued. We are all over social media, Instagram, TikTok. It's A Contagious Smile. I have a group on uh, Facebook. It is private, but you can find it. It's called A Contagious Smile. I bet everybody because I make sure we have no wolves in there. It's an Mm -hmm. incredibly supportive group. Uh, you can find me, Victoria Curie, on Facebook. Um, we have a website, acontagiousmile.com. And my memoir is Who Kicked First, which you can find on Amazon. Beautiful. Thank you for that. And uh, the links to that will be in the show notes as well as the blog on the website. This has been so beautiful having you here and having this conversation with you, Victoria. Thank you for sharing your story so raw and vulnerably. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And remember, everyone, always keep your unique light shining. Losing time, I'm fading fast. I just want to make This week, Kathy and I are creating the Soul Activation Masterclass. So I'm so excited to share with you that on the first week of November. So make sure that... You sign up to the newsletter so you receive the announcement of when that drops so you can purchase that. It will be different spiritual exercises on how to integrate our souls in this renaissance time, in this time of the Aquarius, as well as all the difficult things and energies that are intense opportunities for us to grow in this this year and the end of this year and next year. And she's going to be sharing the rest of the 2023 horoscope forecast in astrology as part of that masterclass as well. So don't miss it. Make sure you sign up anywhere anywhere on my website to my newsletter so that you will receive that announcement. The Trauma to Triumph Summit is happening October 30th. Make sure you grab your ticket and attend. That's coming up. I'm so excited this weekend. And... You know, you can always listen to my book on Audible. That's available on Audible and paperback and hardcover. So I have lots of resources for you to help you in a spiritual journey, help you heal, and help you on this healing journey to support you in path. Follow me at Raven Scott Show and DM me free gift to automatically get your free How to Draw Powerful Boundaries workshop straight into your DM and start healing yourself and taking back the power in your life today. Remember, always keep your unique light shining. See you next episode. This is October Domestic Violence Awareness Month. If you or anyone that you know is in danger in domestic violence, please call the 1-800-HOTLINE. National Domestic Violence Hotline is 800-799-7233. 799-7233. Thank you for tuning in today. You are a blessing. If this has impacted you, please share it with a friend, spread the word so we can impact and end domestic violence, narcissist abuse, and the suffering now. Madvi is helping people release emotional baggage, breaking negative patterns, and finding the root causes with the emotion and body code. Visit www.modvi.ca 
That's M-A-D-H-V-I dot C-A. I can personally attest that this is an amazing way to heal trauma out that you can't do with meditation and thought therapy and talk therapy and all the things. So reach out to her and get a free 30-minute consultation to see if this is something that can help you. <laughs> 